Good morning. Glad you're here. When you have kids, uh, you begin to hear all kinds of ideas about how to parent those children. And uh, we, we need to filter the ideas through trustworthy sources. And so in this brief message series this week and next, I'm going to look at God's perspective and his plan for leaving our kids with a legacy that focuses on the things that really matter and the things that are going to last and that will make a difference for them as they move forward. Uh, if you're a parent and your children are growing up, uh, you're probably in the rush of everyday life. You're changing diapers, getting them ready for school, taking them to after-school activities, rushing from here and there, and so on and so on. It goes on. If this is the case, then you, you probably don't have a lot of time to sit back and look at the big picture, the overall perspective of what God is doing in the world and how your role as a parent fits into that. So I'd like to take 30 or 40 minutes right now to begin to look at that in the, the role of parents in the big scheme of things. If you're not a parent but hope to be someday, uh, I, I, my hope is that this series will give you a head start in understanding, beginning to understand the big perspective on the role of parents in the lives of their kids. Uh, maybe you're a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a friend. Uh, really, in church life, we're an extended family, and so we're, we're all a part of, of serving one another and just trying to bless uh, the people who are growing up and among us who have already grown. Uh, actually, I'm waiting until the day when I grow up. When do you consider yourself grown, grown up? When do you, you know, I'm still growing myself. But we're all grown, we're all pitching in. For all of us, for sure, we can reflect on our own family life growing up and thank God for the things that our parents did right and then uh, think about the legacy that they left us and then determine not to do some of the things maybe that weren't, weren't that great. I, I, just, I know that as I was getting ready for this message today, I was thinking about my own legacy, and I'm very grateful for the legacy that my parents gave me. And there's a, there's a writer a business writer that says, one of the things you want to do with your life is begin with the end in mind. Begin your life or do things with the, the mindset that you want to leave a certain kind of lasting impression on the world. You want to leave a legacy. So begin. He actually talks about going to your own funeral and listening to what you'd want people to say about you. And kind of an interesting concept. But at my father's funeral about five or six years ago, uh, my pastor growing up spoke, and I learned something about my dad that I didn't know. Uh, he mentioned that my dad had a temper, and he, he did. That I knew, that I was aware of. Um, but he also said something that I really appreciate. You know, we're all not, none of us are perfect. We all have things about us that could be different. And um, that was certainly the case with my parents. It's the case with me. Uh, but I learned something there that I really deeply appreciated that is uh, something that is part of my legacy because I think I, I, I was aware of this but couldn't put a handle on it. But he appreciated how my dad always uh, was loyal in a very practical way to him. My dad was the key leader in the church and the key layperson in a church, uh, a small church, 
uh, is the one that everybody goes to if they have a complaint about the pastor. That's the guy they go to. They go to him, and they're gonna, if they're going to bellyache, they bellyache to that guy. Well, my dad was that guy. And the pastor, my pastor growing up, he said that whenever anybody would come to him and complain, he would, my dad would never, he would either back the pastor in the stance that he was taking related to the complaint, or he would tell them to go talk to the pastor. He would never get in a conversation about what the pastor was doing behind his back. That is one of the most divisive things that can happen in a church. When you don't talk to the person who can be a source of the solution, but you talk to someone else about the problem and have a conversation about that. So as I heard that about my dad, that's a part of my legacy. I deeply appreciate my dad's loyalty, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But what I want to look at today is I want to consider what your legacy is going to be as you, as you leave this earth. Think about the legacy that you want to leave. And we're going to look at a parent's role in preparing their kids for the future. And we're going to look at it in light of a promise that God has given to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 29:11. And we're going to look at the whole passage. But he gave us there, he gave them, actually, a bright promise for the future. And it's for them, but it applies to us. And we're going to look at how that is so. Here's the promise. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I heard a guy say this week that we tend to read the Bible like a yearbook. What do you do when you get the yearbook? You're in high school, you get the yearbook, you flip to the page that you're on. <laughs> hey, there I am. Then you start looking for the, the other, like the teams that you are on, the other pages that you might be on, the clubs, the teams, whatever it is. Then you start looking for your friends. And, you, and he said we tend to read the Bible like that. We read the Bible, and we read a verse, and we say, hey, that sounds good. This is one of those kinds of verses. You read that verse, say, I want that. <laughs> that that's good for me. That, that sounds great. I'm just going to take that and soak it up. I'll take it. I, I went to a Christian high school where we studied the Bible, and it was important to sort of like one of the little themes in our high school was if you could quote verses, you're, it was cool. You were cool. And um, as we were getting ready for graduation, um, one of the verses that we would quote, that people would quote and actually claim for their future is this verse. There were other verses like that that you run to and you hang on to. Frankly, I was hanging on to this one for dear life. Oh, God, you know, <laughs> I, I know you have good plans for me, don't you? I'm not sure how this is going to go. But you hit those points in life where you're, you're clinging and you're hanging on. And so that's where I was. As we entered the great unknown, we were hanging on to verses like this. It's easy to read that verse and conclude that if I go with God, he's only going to allow good stuff into my life. He's going to bring prosperity. He's not going to, he's not going to allow any harm to come to me. He's only going to bring good stuff. So you read that and you think, look at this. I'm untouchable. If I go with God, I'm going to escape harm at every turn. I'm, I'm one of God's people. I've decided to follow Christ, so I should make it through without any real trouble. This is going to be good. They're, they're sure there's going to be some normal problems, but overall, you know, life should be a real upper. This should be a good thing. This is what I was hanging on to in high school when I claimed this verse for myself. And I'll speak for myself. I don't know about my classmates, but 
I saw God. I saw verses like this as a hedge that would protect me from real trouble in my future. And this would be the way that I would make sure I could find the you know, guarantee for the good stuff. Then I began to live as an adult in the world. And life began to cloud my perspective on this. And it began to confuse me a little bit because I saw people who were really serious about walking with God, trying to follow him. I saw them going through some really hard times, some really tough things. So I was trying to figure out how does this verse, how does that promise match with what people are experiencing? If we don't really know how God works, then we get disillusioned or worse when we try to match verses like this with what's going on in our lives. And if we think that God only brings good or God only allows good, then something bad happens and we draw one of three conclusions. One conclusion could be God's not in control and this, this thing slipped his, slipped his notice. It, it got by him. It got around him. That's one conclusion. Second conclusion, I must be bad. I must be really messed up because it seems like this is the promise and other people are experiencing it, but I'm messed up. So I'm not understanding it. Third possibility is I need to understand what the verse is actually saying. Today we're going to go for number three. We're going to try to understand what it's really saying and what the context is. Context is crucial for understanding Scripture. Um, it's, it's, it's very crucial to understand it, and to understand it, we can't take verses out of their context. We can't rip them out. If we do, we miss God's ways. We misunderstand what we can expect from him, and we don't understand how he's working in the world through the things that are going on. A vital, growing friendship with God is the key to leaving the right kind of legacy in the world. It's the, the key to, to making things good in the future for our kids. And this passage clues us into the way that God works in our lives and what we can expect. Now, here's a note, something to, to take note of. This promise was not made to you and I. It wasn't made to us. It was made to a specific group of people in a specific set of circumstances. So we can't read it like a yearbook. What you do if you want to gain an accurate understanding of the Bible is you find out what it said and who it said it to and the historical context for what it was saying. And so you understand what, it, what the Scripture is actually saying to the people it was written to. Then you build a bridge. You build a bridge of application to your own life today. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what God was saying to the people this was written to. And the first thing we're going to do is back up to verse 1 of chapter 29 of Jeremiah and check out who it was written to. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The next couple verses, 2 and 3, they give details of more uh, historical context by explaining who the kings were at the time of Israel and different leaders. So what we learn from this is that this promise was made to a specific group of people. It was made to the nation of Israel in a specific time frame. 
It was made to the Israelites who had been exiled from their homeland. They, they had been captured and taken into Babylon. The promise wasn't made to us. It wasn't made to you and I today. It applies to us, which is good news. It applies to us, but it wasn't made to us. So we have to understand what was going on in the context of the original promise in order to be able to apply it correctly. The next thing we learned, Jeremiah 29.4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Wow. We read here that God carried them into exile. So the promise can't mean that God only allows good stuff. It, it can't mean that he only bring, brings good stuff. But now we learn that he even brings trouble into our lives. Now, he brings it in for a purpose, for a reason, but he brings trouble into our lives. Things weren't going well for the people who received this promise. They were being disciplined by the ultimate father, God himself. If we don't understand this about God, we miss the lessons that he's trying to teach us. Some of the trouble that we're going through, not all of it, but some of the trouble that we're going through is he has some specific things he's trying to teach us. I heard one guy who was talking about this passage, and he said, my God is a spanker. He'll take you to the woodshed. And he went on, he started talking about his own mom and, and how sometimes when she was going to spank him, that she would say something to the, to the extent of, you know, I love you so much that I'm going to do this. And what does every child who hears that phrase think? Well, then don't love me that much. Yeah, just don't do it. And that, that's, that's what's happening here. That's the context you see in Scripture. God loves you and I so much that he's willing to discipline us. He, he's, he's willing to bring trouble in us to, to gain uh, some understanding and perspective and to help us grow and develop and, and change, really. So Jeremiah 29, 11 can't mean that God only brings good stuff into my life. God doesn't share our American mindset where everything needs to be up and good and rolling through life. He doesn't share that mindset. He brings bad stuff as a way of discipline. Look at Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Only those who have been trained by it. We can go through the, the discipline without allowing it to train us. It's very important to get a hold of that. Okay, so let's keep going. We're going to skip a couple verses and come back to them. We're going to go to verse 8 and 9 of Jeremiah 29. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. It's a lie that some of the prophets were telling them that things are going to get better soon. This is only for a short time. You're only in exile for, for a, a short time, and then things are going to get better. That was a lie. I won't say who this reminds me of in America, but it is an election coming up. And so we hear things. You know, it's only going to be like this for a little bit. We don't know how. It's going to get better. Things are going to get better in the economy and other ways when God decides it is. That's, that's how it works. They... Anyway, these prophets have been trying to pump them up so they feel better, and they've just been telling them stuff that isn't true to make them feel better about things. Jeremiah 29.10 says this, 
This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you to bring you back to this place. So 70 years. Some of the people experience this captivity longer than that. But what this means is that very few of the adults who are alive that received that promise were going to see it completed. Very few of them. So they were going to live for at least 70 years in captivity. This is a multi-generational promise. And it wasn't written to specific people. It was written to a group of people, the nation of Israel. But it's a multi-generational promise. It means that there will be an extended period of hardship. And then God is going to bring about his plan. He's going to bring them back to the land that he had given them earlier. It's important to understand the ways of God and to see life from his perspective. He doesn't always change our circumstances, but he gives us what we need in the moment to deal with them. If I don't know these things about God, then when my life is hard, I draw the wrong conclusions. When, when I go through hardship, I lose perspective. I get confused, and I want to give up. I just, I just decide to punt. If you've been frustrated with your own circumstances, and you want to turn away from God, you need to know this. What you're going through right now could be setting your children up and you yourself up for God's blessing in the future. What you're going right, through right now, God wants to use. And while we go through hardship for a time, God intends to use it to refine us and prepare us for the future that he has for us. We could go through a lifetime of hardship. In the perspective of eternity, the the future is bright that he has for us. Look at Hebrews 12, too, because it shows us that Jesus is the ultimate example of this. He he endured the cross for the joy set before him. Let, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like Jesus, you and I have to take the long view. And this is what it means to be a good parent. Out of love, I sacrifice my comfort and convenience today to set my kids up for future success to the best of my ability. I'm not in control of that. But this is what I do. I sacrifice today for them. I'm going to have to sacrifice my time to train them. Because right at the wrong time, just when we need to be getting in the car and going out, they're going to mess up and we're going to have to stop and and help them understand something a little better or discipline them or whatever. One time we spent, uh, we were gathering things up to go home. We wanted to go home, Cindy and I, but one of our kids had done something and needed to make an apology. It took six hours. We, we hunkered down. We said, we're not giving up. It took six hours for them to give the apology. But we battled. See, when you, when you set yourself to be a parent, you have to, your agenda goes out the, the door sometimes. And we didn't have anything we absolutely had to do. We wanted to go home, though, and relax. But no, we, we waited it out. With them, That's what it means. You, you give up your comfort and convenience today. Someone told me before I had children, 
they're going to uncover every selfish bone in your body. And I nodded and thought, yeah, I'm sure they will, sure. I, I, I bet you're right. Now I know what they meant by experience. I get it. My self-centered tendencies are going to be challenged over and over and over again. One of our kids cried for six hours a day for three months, from age three months to six months. That rocks your world. You talk about getting your world rocked? You're like that. You're going, oh, my goodness, when is this going to end? And you can't bring comfort, and you can't be their hero, which is really what you want to be. And, you know, you want to be their hero, but they're like, wow, they're crying. It drives you crazy. If you're going to be a good parent, you can't make it about you. It, it's got to be about them. It, 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 it's got to be about God and his purpose for their life, number one. It has to be about him and what he wants to do in their life. Because you know what? After you and I are gone, God's going to still be there with them. One of the major legacies my parents left me is that um, they introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know God. They're gone, but he's here. He's still walking with me. This is a key part of the legacy that we leave. We ourselves learn to walk in a vital friendship with him, and then we bring our children up in the same, in the same way and hope that they come to know him and decide to walk with him as well. If we don't understand these things about God, that he doesn't always change our circumstances, he always doesn't make things rosy and good, then we give up. We quit. You know, I've prayed for three straight days about this and nothing's changed. Or I've been all day long, I've been trying to do this right and it's, there's no difference. It's, it's going to be a long run here. And so we need to hunker down and do what God wants us to do and watch him work through generations, from one generation to the next. That's his perspective. He takes the long view. Right now in this economy, people are under a lot of strain. We're, we're struggling with it. We're dealing with it. Lean on God and show your children how to do the same. They're watching you. They're, they're watching how you handle life. Lean on him. Trust him. A key to hanging in there is in Hebrews 13. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God is enough. In the midst of the circumstances that you're in right now, he is enough if you'll allow him to be. If we learn to rely on him, he walks with us through the hardship. Current struggle in the economy is something that we're going through as a nation, and it can bring some important corrections, some attitude adjustments in me. It's been working in me to, to bring some changes to focus on the things that really matter. It's important to understand this about God. He allows times of hardship as discipline for his children, for his people, for those who have decided to follow him. God gives us some instructions, or he gives not us, but he gives the people of Israel some instructions. And so I want to go back to verses 5 through 7 and see what he told them. 
to do in the midst of this? How were they going to prepare for the future? And he remember, he was speaking to people in dire circumstances, very bad circumstances. They had been captured and taken to a foreign country, a country foreign and hostile to their way of life. And I want to tell you, the Babylonians were barbarians, not just like going to a movie for a couple hours and watching barbarians on the screen. They were barbaric. They, they did unmentionable things to people, and especially the people that they captured. And it's interesting to see in that context what God instructed the, the people of Israel to do, and we can learn from this. Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Interesting, isn't it? First, God says, show your children how to thrive in all kinds of conditions. You're in probably the worst place you could imagine being. But show your children how to thrive. And he gives specific instructions. He says, lay the foundation for your children to build on. Unpack your bags. You're going to be here for a while. Stay here. Put your roots down. Provide a foundation of stability for your children. You ever play the game of tag? That, I think that's the idea here. You know, home base is safe. And I can remember, I haven't played tag in years, trust me. I'm 53, almost 54. I haven't played the game of tag in a long time, but it's like yesterday, remembering the feeling of rushing to get to home base so I could be safe. You know, this is home, you're safe here. And just, you're trying to get home, and when you get there, wow. That's what home needs to be. That's what he's saying here. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Don't allow your circumstances to unsettle you, but put your roots down and, and do what God's showing you to do. Make your home a safe place. Sometimes we, we think, well, I'm going to get back to doing life as soon as the dust settles. I mean, this is a tough time. I'm not going to really, I'm just going to do it the way I normally do it. I'm going to try to figure out what God wants later. That's a mistake. Figure out what God wants now and show your kids how to thrive in all kinds of conditions. Second thing he says, make marriage a priority. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm the father of a 21-year-old daughter. Notice how it says find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. The parents are really involved in the process. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a little too much fun. But... Um, the idea here is marriage is important to God. It's an afterthought in our culture. It's an option that we tag on to the rest of life. We'll get married after we're set with a house and a good job and a good career. Marriage, is, in God's mind, is to be held in very high regard. And so even in Babylon, among the barbarians, they're to, they're to get married and they're to to encourage their sons and daughters to get married. We need to give it the same priority that God did, that God does. So that's it. Make marriage a priority. Third, put a priority on children. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Children are a blessing from God. 
And he wants godly people to have children. That's part of the purpose of marriage. That's the reason he, he gives us marriage. Now, we've got that pretty well figured out here at CIV, the regular crew. I mean, at any given time, we've got 12-plus children that are on the way. And that's a good thing. That's a blessing. It's what God intends. So, you know, marriage and children are, are important to God. This is what he wants. And then he says something very interesting. Seek the welfare of the city that you're in. Jeremiah 29, verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Lead your kids to look outside of your own family. Lead your kids. Peel them inside out to look look outside of themselves to do good by those around them. This is what God does. If If you're trying to figure out what it means to follow the Lord Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to peel you inside out to start looking to the needs of others around you. And this is what his people do. They, they seek the prosperity of the city they're in, of the people they're around. They, it's easy to get wrapped up in me and mine and get all intertwined and inward and never turn outward. But God leads us to look outward for his honor, to give him a good reputation It's for the good of those around us and for our own good because it's not good to shrivel up and focus only on ourselves. We we tend to view, it's interesting, we tend to view difficult circumstances as an interruption to our happy family life. But in reality, every person on earth is going to deal with trouble. We need to show our kids how to find happiness in spite of our circumstances, how to get outside of themselves, to look to the people around them. And a right relationship with God is key to that, a vital, growing relationship with him. Our legacy is going to be carved out as our children watch us handle everyday life as it goes by. Not in what we say to them, but in what we do as we respond to life. We prepare our kids for a bright future as we handle what is going on right now in the way that God wants. Some of, some of my most blessed times have been in the midst of dire circumstance, t- trouble. That's when I draw close to God and I can lean on him and I find that he is strong. He's strong. We need to show our kids how to do that. So we're going to look next week at the nuts and bolts of how we build these right things into our kids. And then in the parenting seminar as well. So I'd encourage you to, we'd love to have you come back next week and hear that. If you don't have kids yet, but plan to, live today with your future in full view. Because what you're doing right now is planting seeds that your family is going to to eat later on. That's the crop that you're going to have for your family. That's what you're going to provide. So think about this. Live with the future in full, full view. Your family in the future will be blessed through the choices you're making today or not. So good seed. Every one of us, we've been born into a family. And we have a relationship and experiences. Just, just want to encourage us to think about the legacy that we're leaving. Think about what you want to do and what you want to, want to leave. There's a song by the Temptations. 
that I thought, you know, that comes to mind as we talk about legacy. Papa was a rolling stone. Um, it says it was the 3rd of September. That day I'll always remember. Yes, I will, because that day was the day my daddy died. I never got a chance to see him. Never heard nothing but bad things about him. Mama, I'm depending on you to tell me the truth. And Mama just hung her head and said, now, when they sing this, you feel good about it. Son, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home, and when he died, all he left us was alone. That's the legacy that they had. We don't want that one. No matter how you feel about the legacy that you've been left with, God wants to work with you and in you to leave the best you can for your children. You do that by responding to him in the midst of the trouble you're going through, by responding to him in the midst of the good things that are going on. We're going to have to deal with trouble in our lives for sure. But with the Lord's help, we can respond in a way that builds for the future and it doesn't destroy us. We can trust him to walk through this with us. The good thing with God is he promises that the bad stuff in our lives is going to grow us if we trust him, if we work with him in it. And it will build us up and not tear us down. He brings perspective, a broad generational perspective, multi-generational perspective to life. And your role may be to lay the groundwork for the next generation to, have the, the, to experience the tangible blessing of God. As you do that, you may never see the tangible blessing of God, but you can experience the intangible Blessing is the intangible and the tangible favor of God. We can experience the intangible as we turn to him and trust him. This is what he will do. The promise of Jeremiah 29, 11 is that God will bring his blessing to people, his people who trust him, and he will bring it over time in his time when he wants. I want to wrap up the message this morning by asking you to think through some next steps that you may take as a result of what we've looked at in the scripture. Uh, please take out your connection card, if you would. Uh, there's some suggestions on the back of that card. They're at the bottom of the listening guide as well. Uh, here are my suggestions. Maybe there's some other things that you want to do in response to the message. But if you would take this time as well to finish completing any information or next steps on this card that you haven't had time to get to, that'd be great. When the offering comes around, uh, you can drop the card in the offering. But here are some suggestions. My next step today is to, first of all, memorize Jeremiah 29:11 and realize the context. God, I know you have plans for a hope and a future, and I want to do my part in living for you today so that I can be the blessing you want in the future. Another step would be to, take, uh, to help out at a mission project. Alex mentioned the mission projects on the 8th. Civic Lifeline on the 8th and 15th L.A. Food Bank. If you'd like to pitch in and help, that'd be great. We're seeking the welfare of the city that we're in, the, the, the area that we, we live in. We're trying to help, trying to be a help there. I'm interested in joining a growth group. This, this, what we're looking at in the growth group is something that will really help develop a vital friendship with God. And these are, these are designed, if you're on campus, and you're in small groups on campus in a campus ministry, we encourage you to do there, go there uh, and do that. But these are for those who are in the community, and we'd love to have you be a part if you'd like. Um, another step is to 
attend the parenting seminar. If you're going to attend that, let us know. If you need child care, that would really be helpful. Uh, there are some other steps, College Connect Barbecue, if you're a part of a college if you're a college student, we'd love to meet you, staff and leaders, get to know you. And then we're having a baptism next week. If you'd like to get baptized, if you've decided to follow Christ recently, and you'd like to make a public statement that shows the inward commitment that you've made in baptism, then we'd, we'd love for uh, you to do that, and we'd like to talk with you about it. So you can let us know that you're, you're ready to get baptized and you want to make that statement publicly. It's really just a, a, an outward statement of an inward commitment. It's a symbol of the reality that's happened inside, the spiritual reality that's occurred inside as he's brought salvation to you, as you've decided to die to yourself and live to new life in him. And then there's a, a box on the right side of the card that uh, says, I'd like some information about beginning a relationship with Jesus. Maybe through the message or through the last few weeks or months, You've been investigating what it means to follow Christ, and you'd like to know more about what that means, and we'd love to help with that. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we're glad you're here. As you go out the double doors, there's a gift for you. There are some books called Parenting Isn't for Cowards, and there's another book called The Case for Christ. We'd love for you to pick up, if you're a parent, feel free to have the Parenting Isn't for Cowards book. It sure isn't. And uh, if you're not a parent, then you can grab the case for Christ. That'd be great. But you can pick that up on the way out. It's to the left of the double doors on a table there. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for your word, for the truth that you show us, and the way that you walk us through it. Thank you, God, that we can rely on you as we take on challenges like parenting, as we take on the challenges of life. And I thank you, God, that in the midst of all that's going on, you're with us. If we'll turn to you, if we'll decide to walk through life with you, you'll, you'll, you'll take us and you'll make the best of things. You'll build us and not use, allow them to destroy us if we trust you to do that, God. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.